You're listening to Riverview Church Conversations, a podcast for the spiritually curious. Well, hello and welcome back to Riverview Church Conversations. Uh, if we've never met before, never seen my face, that's okay. My name is Ryan. You can just hear my voice and I'm joined by Reese Mayshell. Hello there. Hello, Ryan. Hey, I thought I'd start off as we normally do with a really random question. Reese, if you were a world-class wrestler, what would be your entrance music? Oh, that's easy. Back in Black by ACDC. Is that because you wear uh, black clothes all the time, uh, yeah. like you mentioned well, last week? Yeah, it's it's appropriate for my sartorial choices, but it's also, you know, it's just slamming. It just gets to the point. It's hard-hitting. It's a vibe. What about you? I actually don't know. I was thinking about this before. I'm, I'm kind of stumped. I mean, maybe something like girls just want to have fun just to throw everyone off, <laughs> just to confuse everyone. Well, you they know, do. They do just want to have yeah, fun. Yeah, I mean, then you just jump in and give someone the chair. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how it works still in wrestling? I don't know. Figure four leg lock. I'm not sure. Have they moved on mm, from that? Maybe. When I was a child, I, um, I collected wrestling cards. I had doubles and triples of the WWF wrestling cards season one, two, and three. Wow. I never, I never got into it. I love the cards. I didn't care for the wrestling. It was the collecting the, that yeah, I loved. Yeah, Tarzos are my thing. Oh, yeah? Mm. Mm. Star Wars Tarzos from Video Easy. What a time. Mm. Now, Reese, we're not here to talk about Tarzos. No, we're not. Although, again, we could, we could ramble on. But uh, we're actually here today to have a conversation around the topic of power. Power. And power struggles. And I think this is um, quite an interesting topic and one that I've kind of been excited to have conversation around because it, it's very complex and I have no doubts today as we have conversation that we're not going to answer much, but we're going to start the conversation. We'll try. It's going to be fun. <laughs> and we're thinking a little bit about what power is and maybe just to give a, a little bit of a, a definition or, or framework for us, you know, because often I'll think to myself, well, I, I don't have power. Like I don't have a power bar under my character name, <laughs> but I do have influence and I do have authority and um, there is an interlink between those things and you know we were talking before ultimately on this podcast i don't have power you have some power i have some power because reese does the editing so this next sentence that i say could just be edited out i have a different sort of power you do have a different sort of power and um how am i going to wield that well anyone's guess that's right and it's interesting to us because obviously the church throughout its history has been involved in conversations of power some good some bad of course, um, in the fourth century, um, the church and state got involved with Constantine, who, you know, made Christianity the religion of Rome. And and from that point, the the questions around power and faith uh, became very blurred. Uh, maybe up until the point in uh, later centuries when we had the Reformation and people were kind of sick of the power and the authority that the church was wielding. And, and now we find ourselves in in quite a complex place. So I have so many questions that I'm excited to ask. Questions around, you know, how as people of faith do we relate to power? Um, how do how did Jesus relate to power? And for like, what is power? Can we can we get away with it? like we all have influence, uh, but how do we wield that in a healthy um, and measured way? And so to have the conversation with us today, we're going to be joined by Mr. Ash Palmer, Bishop Bishop Ash, Ash Palmer, the Reverend Doctor Ash Palmer. And he's a wonderful member of our team here on staff at Riverview. And he's ha- he's got some amazing experience and amazing insights. He is a Manchester United fan, so we'll forgive him for that. Uh, but I'm really excited because over the last um, year or so, I've had the privilege of working with him and just um, hearing some of his 
um, insights on on leadership and empower. And um, he's got a great experience and a wealth of knowledge when it comes to uh, following Jesus faithfully. So I'm excited for this conversation. And um, get ready. Strap yourself in. This is going to be great. Well, welcome, Mr. Ash Palmer. Thanks for Thank joining you. us on the pod Thanks, today. Uh, we thought we would ask you the the tough question that we usually do ask yeah. uh, each other. Ash, if you're a wrestler, what is your song, your entrance song? If I was a wrestler, who have you been talking to? <laughs> when, <laughs> you were about your when you were a wrestler. Everyone needs a side gig, guys. Everyone needs a side gig. Yeah. Uh, I reckon I'll go classic early 2000s hip-hop, uh, Grits, Ooh, uh, oh wow! I'm not oh, familiar with that. But. Oh. My life be ooh, that's oh, great. Oh, it sounds yeah, gritty. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, it's gritty. It was in a uh, Tokyo Drift Fast and Furious movie soundtrack. <laughs> there you go. I I, I like Tokyo Drift. They I thought, actually I played, underrated. This is a this is a connection moment. They actually played at Parachute in the oh, wow. late 2000s. Yeah, I do have I a memory of them being on the bill. Yes, I may have not seen them, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, I'm sure they're great. <laughs> they play. They're great. Yeah. There you go. Well, Ash, thank you for joining with Thanks us for today. Us. Um, of course, we're having a conversation around power and its relation to faith. Mm. And so we're not talking about electricity. No, not electricity. No. Oh, not okay. electricity. We we could do another conversation mm. on electricity. <laughs> uh, but I'm kind of interested just to start off by asking the question. Obviously, you've done a lot of research and study, um, and you've you've led a lot of classes on leadership and power. What what made you interested in this topic of of power? Yeah, I think for me, it's probably that um, power is almost a dirty word these days. <laughs> it's a tough thing and it's something that we're, uh, certainly it's almost like the battlefield of this uh, this generation, this moment in society is recorrecting power imbalance, uh, speaking truth to power, um, trying to figure out who has it and why they have it and who doesn't and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so you've got that on one hand and then you've got the reality on the other hand where actually not much happens without someone exercising some sort of power. So power is necessary, but at the same time, it is something that people are hugely uncomfortable about. And so I'm trying to figure out what that nuance looks like, and especially for what's my passion, which is trying to figure out what leadership looks like, not just in the church, but outside the church for the future. It seems to me that trying to figure out a bit more about power is a good place to start. Mm. So what when we talk about power, what kind of things are we, are we talking about? Obviously, again, we don't often assume that we wield power, but most of us do in, in some mm. facets. So what are we talking about? Man, when I was uh, I was growing up, I was really fascinated. I, I still am with the X-Men. Mm. I still love the X-Men. And one of my, um, this is me like, being super vulnerable in this moment. One of my really kind of weird personality quirks is I sometimes pretend I'm Magneto when I walk into rooms, oh, yeah. but mainly when I walk through electric doors and I pretend <laughs> that I just put my hand out really quietly. It's, now you're going to be watching me whenever I do this. Put my hand out really quietly and watch the doors open and I feel a bit like a, <laughs> I feel like an X-Men. I feel like Magneto in that moment. I think for me, it's, uh, it's that idea of I can make something happen is that power down. Like we can make things happen. And so for me, that connection is around um, like what can I what what make what will make something happen here? I think that helps me with a sense of um, I'm being productive. I've achieved something. I've utilized something. I'm part of a team that's doing something in that way as well. I don't know. I can't really remember the question. Was that close to the answer? Yeah, it was. I guess. And how does that relate to? I mean, in the church, often we don't talk mm, about go and use yes, your power. But we it. might talk about things like influence. We talk about yeah. authority. Yeah, we talk about it in different ways, I think. And, mm. and the church has, has got a, a really tough history with power. But within the church, we use words like influence. 
um, we use power maybe without realizing when we say things um, like spiritual power, where we say things like, I think God's telling me um, that mm. you should do this. Mm. Um, and, uh, and it has certainly been one of the key areas that the church has significantly struggled with and has done almost irreparable harm mm. in. Uh, and we see that through things like the Royal Commission where power was used so mm. Um, so badly in its in almost its in fact in an evil way mm. um, to hurt and destroy people, and we don't often like to talk about it because almost to question that power is to question God's calling sometimes or God's ordination of individuals or even God's will, and um, I think that just that adds an extra element in church life as to why it's so important to handle. Um, but yeah, we use things like influence. We use things like. Um, Spiritual confirmation. We use things like authority. Um, we we try and do that uh, in good and bad ways, but mostly bad. I even think about the notion of like um, salvation. Yeah, you're in or you're out. Mm. You know that in and of itself can be a thorny yeah. kind of power dynamic. Yeah, with, who draws the line with um, those in the church and then people outside the four walls, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, who draws the line, who determines who um, is saved, or who yeah. determines who's part of the religion club or, or yeah. whatever, you know, that's that's a powerful thing yeah. at work. Yeah. We've had, as, even as pastors in churches, we've had a lot of uh, power around, you know, there's, there's different types of power that are out there in the secular world, like, you know, information, coercive and all that. But within the church network specifically, you have things around sacraments, like the minister and the pastor, the leader gets to decide uh, or facilitate rather baptism. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the old days, they facilitated who got communion and who didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, they were able to uh, have intimate knowledge of your confession. Yeah. And um, they held these things quite strongly and quite clearly. And I'm not saying they were all bad. They certainly were, were fantastically done. But there have been times that it's been handled badly. But church has unique unique power. And we have unique power over one another as, as the family of Christians, as co you know. Um, co-participants, co-believers, co-members of the same family, mm. um, a lot of whatever other codes we can add to it. But this idea that we're we're together, we get to speak truth to one another. And with that carries an element of power. Truth certainly carries power. And we are people who are seeking to live out God's truth in our worlds. Mm. I'm interested then to ask, obviously maybe this might take two separate answers. One mm. is personally and the other is maybe corporately. But how then should we relate to power? Um, as yeah. individuals, like how do we how do we manage that? Man, that's a really tough one. I think I think it's probably what we're trying to. Because on one hand, you'd love to say, run away from power and avoid the the messy argument altogether, but it seems like if we do that, it's nothing's going to get done. And I don't even think it's even possible for us to do that. I think it just happens. Like we end, we we find ourselves in positions where, you know, I can decide to feed my kids today or not feed kids my kids today. That's that's a power in and of itself. I can't run away from that. It needs to to happen. Um, I think I think for us, our best option, maybe even our only option, is the example of Jesus, yeah. which in and of itself is quite nuanced and quite different. But I think it has a clarity to it that Jesus doesn't see power as the aim or the focus of anything. Mm. In fact, I think he he potentially sees identity as it as being a child of God, being in Christ, being. Um, being, having an understanding of the gospel of God making all things right and being part of God's kingdom. And um, I think the most the people who are most secure, the people who are most grounded, never have to remind anyone of the power that they hold. It is just 
a gravitas that they have when they when they move, and it has got gentleness and uh, it does the things that it needs to do well, but it never affects their identity. Mm. They never have to be reminded. They don't have to remind anyone else. Mm. Do you know who I am? Um, people know and people are okay with that. And I think Jesus for us is someone who uh, in history, no one had any, had more right than him to say, do you know who I am? Mm. You know, Jesus could have walked into any first century restaurant and said, give me your best table. Do you know who I am? And, uh, and we never get the impression that he, mm. he did that. You know, he handled power so radically different to us. He's handling his own power. Mm. And he's also relating to the power of other people as well. Yeah. Which is quite a fascinating um, example in that for ourselves, we might either mm. speak to power or push against power or mm. submit to. And he's he has all of those choices available to him as well. But when yeah. he comes up against kind of the powers of the day, he relates yeah. to that in an interesting way as well, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting to me. I find like it doesn't mean that Jesus was someone who let everyone walk all over him or who didn't say what he thought was right and true. Mm. Um, in fact, the way he handled power ticked off a lot of people and yeah. ultimately led to his death. Um, and I think that's quite an interesting space. Like he handled power well, but it didn't mean that he just cowed out to everything and got out the way of problems. Mm. Um, there's, there's something in there that we can pursue yeah. maybe. I don't know. It's like I think of the response that he has when he's given a coin and, you know, should we pay taxes? <laughs> he pulls out a coin and says, you know, whose face is on it. And in an unbelievable way is kind of yeah. pushing power both ways but not exerting it upon people. Like I, I think of the Philippians 2 passage. Mm. Of, you know, being in very nature God, he didn't consider equality, equality God, with God. Yeah. yeah, and doesn't exert his power but yet, it's through that method that he mm. is exalted. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't abdicate his power at any point in time. In fact, if anything, he gives it away and uh, because he, it's almost like he doesn't need it. Mm. You know, he doesn't need it to fulfill his mission. He doesn't need it to um, – I always love the fact that at Jesus' resurrection, this moment in time when he, he kind of had the greatest power on earth until he comes again, there's this – he has every right then to kind of say, do you know who I am? Look what I've done. Mm. And at this crucial moment where, where you and I might ascend to kingship, you know, physically and spiritually in every shape and form and punish everyone who is against me, he, he gives it up to us. Yeah. And he says to us, this kind of ragtag, ragtag group of kind of misfits, uh, it is your responsibility to carry this message out into the world, yeah. to let people know about the kingdom of God, to let people know the good news. And he, he empowers us instead mm. of kind of going, hey, actually, I'm amazing now, I'm going to, I'm going to grab, you know, give me the biggest guns. I'll look after this. I'm the best soldier. He gives it to us and empowers us, which is quite an amazing mm. kind of paradigm. And it's extremely challenging, I think, when, when you think about the way that he invites us in but doesn't exert his power to do so. So he mm. wants us to be willing participants and yeah. willing sons and daughters. And at no point is he going to arm wrestle us yeah. in or exert his power. Which Headlock is a, you into it. Yeah. yeah, which is a fascinating thing, especially because – often the way we go about uh, reaching people for the sake yeah. of the gospel, and, and you've seen this throughout history, is, yeah. is opposed to that approach. Yeah. yeah, it's quite an interesting thing. Like I think the church, I mean, all through the Bible, people have struggled with power. Mm. Even the people that we would identify as being our, our heroes and the ones who we think wouldn't um, struggled with it with the moment they, they had it. The moment power, they realized what they had in their hands. Um, our human nature tends to kind of go... I don't want to lose this. In fact, I want to add to it. Mm. And the church in history has certainly had that issue. The first couple of, you know, hundred years, we were 
at our worst in terms of power. We had none of it. We were persecuted. We were the minority. Um, and we did our best work. Um, and then around the fourth century, you know, um, things change and we become the official uh, belief system, the, the religion of the Roman Empire. And, um, and since then, we have struggled to understand what it means to not have that again. We want more of that. We, and, and even now, as we begin to lose more and more of that space, but people like Miroslav Volf will say that um, the church does its best work for the margins of society when we actually don't have power. From the margin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We begin to figure out if uh, what, what we really believe. You know, now that there's no perks to this membership, mm. yeah, yeah. Um, what does it mean? You know, what does it mean to really die to yourself? Is this a life worth living? Is that truly the only attractional part that this will suck to be a follower? Mm. I, I love to think about the fact that for the first couple of hundred years, to actively choose to become a member of the Christian faith, to follow, to be part of God's kingdom, was almost to knowingly sign a death warrant mm. to say, I know I'll probably die because of this. And yet so many did because the example of the believers, this powerless group of people, was clear that in Christ we find yeah. our home and our identity. That's, beautiful. that's, an, that's insane to mm. me. That's incredible to me. Mm. People knowingly knew what they are up against, joining a secret organization, um, and they did it. So maybe we should all go underground. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> the fact remains we still have, um, like you say, you can't escape responsibility to feed your children yeah and we can't escape within our community the people that we know or the organized structure of our little c churches there are obligations to our community whether it be Mm. the sick the elderly yeah people who need um support or counseling or any of that any of that type of stuff we can wax lyrical about how great it is how, how great it would be to be kind of underground and 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 um doing our best work there but the fact remains we're still part of this community and yeah. we still have obligations yeah. and we would like to think that we are using our power to disciple people and encourage people mm. and uh but we still at any given day or hour or meeting that we have we have to be conscious of how we're using that power yeah. are we coercing people into volunteering are we guilt tripping them into this type of um, program yeah. or are we using our voice on a platform yeah. wisely or are we um are we exerting power in a way that's potentially unhelpful further down the track? Yeah, it's a big thing that that sense of how we manage responsibility we have. That's that's great, Reese. I think I think what I found really challenging, especially in this in this series where we're kind of beginning to emerge out of isolation and things are up in the air and kind of not in the air, and um, is that we've lost a lot of power on one hand and we've gained a lot of power on the other in isolation. So on one hand, things like uh, places like organisations have lost the ability to to gather and to exert power through presence and like, hey, we're all here together. Remember, guys, what we're doing, keeping people on track. So we've lost the ability to keep reminding people to their face that they're part of the the mission of our organization, be it a church or a company or whatever it may be. And now we're aligned on the fact that they really do, that they are sold out, that they understand that they're part of this, that they own the vision, that even when they can't gather, they'll still carry the banner high. Um, and so we've lost a lot of power. But individually, we might have gained a lot of power in some ways as well because we're sitting at home. No one can, no one can talk to us. No one can restrain us. Everyone's equal. We're all kind of, we have no choice in this matter. And so, as I talk to a few people, and maybe even look at myself, I get a sense of kind of feeling like there are some people out there who are responding to the season like a coiled spring, like just wound up. Uh, and they, the moment restrictions are released, they that that sense of like I now have power to achieve my dreams. You know, you better get out of my way because I have to do this. I've been mm. locked down. I've been held back. Um, 
and they're entitled to freedom is a season we're about to potentially yeah. arrive at. Yeah. Man, that's a big thing for me. Like, what am I going to do when now I, I would want to go there and now I almost feel like, hey, I was restrained for so long. Now I'm free. You deserve to let me pursue my dreams. But that's not – everyone's going to be doing that potentially. Mm. And there could be others who um, who might just be collapsing under the weight of, you know, going, man, what do I do without accountability? I've mm. had the season where I could just do whatever I wanted to do. All excuses are out the way now, you know. Um I think there can be this internal drive. And we see that through the fact that if you go to your JB Hi-Fi, you'll find all the podcast microphones sold out and all the mm. selfie insert, you know, selfie lights taken away oh, because Yeah, everyone's <laughs> everyone's starting a venture. Everyone's trying to start something because now is the time. I have to do it. I have to do it. Mm. Um, it's gonna be really interesting to see how we handle our personal power coming out of this season. Mm. Um, when so much of us wants to achieve again because it makes us feel like we're productive and um, I can do something and I want to, I, I need to feel like I'm achieving. Mm. Um, and that requires a bit of power. That requires people giving me a chance to do my thing, uh, studying if I need to study, you know, having a job if I need to have a job. Take the power back. Yeah. What does it look like yeah. to, to come into a world where we get to see each other again? Will we all rush for the, for the same table and try and get our seats at it again or mm. rush for the toilet paper? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested to ask then maybe more practically, Ash, like um, in light of what you just said and, mm. and obviously we've taught that throughout scripture you see individuals who aren't necessarily seeking power but it ends up in their hands. Mm. Um, and obviously aware that we can't really escape the reality that we, we will wield power in different yeah. ways. H- how do we hold that well? Yeah, man, that's such a big question. I think it's a daily wrestle. One of my friends, um, Aaron Bradfield, who's a, a pastor in our northern suburbs, he talks about this idea of uh, what's, what's your biscuit? You know, and he says, um, what is that thing that you desire inside of you, that you crave for, that if someone gave to you, they'd own you? You know, like that. if someone gave me my, my favorite Tim Tam, you know, biscuit, like you're my best mate, you know. Um, for, for, for a long time, some of that struggle, I mean, I wrestled with that, but for a long time, that, some of that struggle inside my heart would have been, um, hey, I just want people to know that I'm here. I want, I want to be acknowledged or I want to be loved. I want to be admired. And so that would drive me to mm. seek that out in other people. And if they gave me that, then I was okay. But if I felt like I wasn't getting that, um, the power thing would rise up in me and I'd use whatever I could to get it. I'd try and affirm, you know, you know, I'm good though. Right? Mm. You, know, you know, you should, you know, I can, you know what I'm talking about, right? You know, like I'm good at what I do. Tell me that, mm. right? And, um, I think it's in moments like that where power begins to be used in a bad way. That individual thing comes out. So we find stories in the Bible of like the most unlikely guys like Gideon, you know, who is a, a hero of our faith as Hebrews talks about, you know, like a real warrior. Mm. But initially we find him hiding in a, in a hole, you know, like he's dug a hole for himself and he's threshing his wheat so that no one catches him. And the angel of the Lord comes to him and calls him, you know, mighty man of valor, mighty man of God. And he's kind of looking at him going, I'm hiding, man. Mm -hmm. There's nothing mighty about me. And he's this reluctant, reluctant leader right up until the middle of a battle when things change and they start winning. And suddenly this timid guy in chasing people down suddenly turns out to be consumed by power and to the point where he's massacring cities and telling his son to, to murder people instead of him. And, uh, and the Bible tells us that, that God sees this in, in him. And 
whilst God shows mercy to Gideon, God holds his family accountable for the the fact that they create idols out of you know Gideon's success. Mm. Um, that Gideon, even at the end of the battle, seems to to want to establish power, you know, um, by establishing his family as um, you got to bring gold to us. We need we need money. We need to be looked after. I want to make sure that we, you know we're covered, rather than a reliance on God. Mm. We find Elijah when he, um, you know, when he kind of defeats, I guess, defeats in a way when he has this great moment of Mount Carmel. You know, when he finally has the entitlement to 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 say something, the first thing he does is complain to God, like, "Where's my food? Where's my you know? I'm all by myself. Poor me." It's kind of within us, I think, to to kind of mishandle power in a way. Um, and then we have Jesus, who obviously bucks Looks that trend. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that that question, you know, like, what's my biscuit? I think mm. the challenge that I'm feeling with that is often you don't know until mm. you taste your biscuit. Yeah, man. And then sometimes it seems like at that point it's almost too late. Yeah, and I think that's the idea is that if we try and defeat it all in one hit, it's not. It's probably going to be really difficult. I found that what's helpful for me is knowing that I'm going to stuff up and mess it up, but to try and make the gap between stuffing up and realizing I stuffed up as short as possible as time moves on. Yeah, that's good. Um, I think for for me the biscuit thing came down to I feel like for most of us our motivator. Our primary motivator is either to avoid failure or to chase success. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the reason we avoid failure, though, is that we don't we want to we want to avoid shame. Yeah. Like if 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 it wasn't if you didn't get ashamed by failing, I think I'd be okay to shame, fail a lot more. Like mm-hmm. I, it's that feeling of shame I don't like. You know, the one that makes you look like an idiot. Um, and so I try and avoid shame. And success. It's not so much that I want to. I want to succeed. It's that maybe I want to be significant. I want to be remembered. I want to feel like what I did was worthwhile. Mm. Um, and so when I kind of look to those two in the eye every day and go, am I acting and living and exercising my power and trying to be someone just because I'm trying to avoid shame or I'm trying to chase significance? If I take those two things off the table before Jesus, I suddenly start operating from a place of maybe a bit more peace mm. yeah. because I realize that I'm, you know, I mean, I'm God's kid. I would hate for my son to get up every day and think I've got to not embarrass myself in front of my dad or I've got to make sure I do something really worthwhile. Otherwise he's not going to be my dad anymore. You know, um, I would hate for that to happen. I'd like him to know that no matter how many, even if he does, even if he falls on his face, even if he embarrasses himself or embarrasses me, yeah. even if he doesn't do anything worthwhile, he's still going to be loved and hugged oh. and mm. he's still my kid oh. to the point where I'd still give up my life for him. It's, it's kind of just given a lot of meaning for me even now just thinking about Jesus right at the start of his public ministry, the voice oh, of the father man. comes and says, "That's good. this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. And before just, he's done anything. Before yeah. he's done anything. <laughs> and here comes this guy then who holds power without, you know, needing mm, Grasping for yeah, it. You know, yeah. like if, you, if I that's think about it. power. Yeah, it's good. Um, anytime that, I mean, I'm always trying to grasp for it, you know. I'm always trying to grasp for that um, yeah. significance or success, but it's mm. almost like a poison chalice because once yeah. I get one hand on it, and then I yeah. take a sip and I realize, hang on, <laughs> yeah. I like I'm, this. <laughs> my my fail like yeah. now I'm even more terrified of failure, yeah, yeah. or being yeah. vulnerable, or yeah. or um, being seen for who I really am. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's kind of you know grasping yeah. for air or trying to yeah. trying to clutch at something that just isn't isn't there. It's not yeah. real. Mm. Uh, yeah. It's mm. a it's a struggle. I I I feel like it's almost why. The most powerful people or the power structures mm. that they're constantly kind of reinforcing those because they 
can never power can never be satisfied yeah. in the human soul. You know, yeah. you can never yeah, have true. enough. Yeah, you can never be satisfied never with what it is right you're grasping for. Times. You know, <laughs> yeah. you'll yeah. never reach a level of oh, I've, I'm I'm okay with my significance yeah. or my success or my you know. Yeah, I'm big enough as it is now. I've reached my limit. I think that's the challenge even in this season when when we've lost a lot of our markers for how how significant I am and how successful I am and am I failing? Like, I can't. I mean, I can't see what I'm doing. I can't tell you if I'm if I'm learning. Like, I, I think about my my uh, my kids' teachers and. Um, they're just trusting that the kids are doing their work at home when we were, you know, doing homeschooling. Mm. Uh, they, if they could do an assessment every week and figure out that the kids had learned something that week, I know they would have felt so much better. And, um, and so my wife and I would try and communicate with them like, hey, this is so helpful. Thank you so much. Mm. Like, you know, try and give as much feedback as we can because it felt like all of a sudden there's a whole bunch of us out there flying blind. Yeah. I know I had to preach a couple of weeks ago and um, preaching to an empty auditorium, man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's just like, wow, I think I think, I think I want to say it was okay. Like, it, I mm. feel it was okay. And I had this huge reliance on just coming to God and saying, I've got to trust that what you've put in my heart is the right thing to say. And uh, I'll say it because I've lost every element of feedback that would come to me normally. Mm. So I've got to be, I've got to trust the fact that you have said this to me and I'm going to deliver it okay. And you know what, God, even if I don't, you still love me and you're, you're still okay with me mm. and I'm still your kid. Mm. Man, that's a wrestle. Yeah. Really good. It's really good. I think I found this conversation both challenging but encouraging. I wonder if, um, obviously, we've talked a little bit about um, our relation to power personally, mm. but um, I've kind of got a bit of a, a side question around how we relate to power above us. And, yeah. Um, can we just talk a little bit about? I know there's multiple scriptures which, uh, you know, my paraphrase would say we we are to submit to authorities. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know in Romans 13 and I think mm. first Peter 2 uh, both Peter and Paul kind of mentioned that like what what are we to make of that uh, yeah because obviously that can be very difficult to swallow depending on yeah your circumstance yeah well if you play this podcast backwards you'll hear the message you know the rebellion begins now if you have, well, we don't do that <laughs> they don't do that anymore it's one of the lost elements of mp3 players and mp4s but I think um you know that's a big question right you know like growing up in Africa we we heard that verse a lot. I remember talking to people a generation older than me in apartheid South Africa um, who would hear that verse a lot, you know, um, to Christians that, you know, we're called to submit to the to the authorities of our world and to our nation, so don't fight back. Mm. And, um, and Christians, by and large, did not know what to do with that when they saw gross injustice happening. And um, the Bible's telling us to submit to authorities. I think, I think the reality for us is to realize that Jesus – did bring about a countercultural, like he, he didn't he didn't not challenge. Um, he wasn't disrespectful in in the way we might like to think. I think he said some pretty blunt things to power. I think it's possible for us to challenge power and to still show God's love and affection. And I think the heart of that comes down in the motive for what we're doing. Often, when we try and challenge power or challenge the authorities above us, sometimes what can creep in. Uh, is a desire for our own power and autonomy again. So we see people protesting government regulations despite all advice and common mm. sense because don't you tell me what to do. You're not the boss of me, um, which is not a kingdom heart at all. Yeah. In fact, a kingdom heart is to say um, the things that Jesus cares about, I care about. And uh, it's because I love, that's why I say the things I say. It's why I fight for the rights of those who are oppressed. It's why I fight for 
justice is because that's what Jesus is about. Even if that fight for justice means that I lose some of my power. And I think we see that story quite considerably in things like civil rights movements where where white Christians and white people um, fought for the rights of of uh, of blacks and minorities, um, even though fighting for those rights would have meant they lost power. Mm. That's what kingdom values looks like, mm, because this is what Jesus would do. Um, even if I were to lose, even if I lose in this outcome, it's what Jesus wants, and that love of Christ. I think that affection for the king, the kingdom. That idea of if Jesus was standing here, how would he expect me to respond? Um, I think that is the driver. I think when we start fighting against authorities because I want my power, um, we might be ending, we might be kind of moving towards the wrong side. That's quite a prescriptive and generalized comment. So I know there's a lot of nuance in that. Um, But I think it's that idea of can the love of Jesus be seen in in the way we speak and what we say? Mm. I often wonder about... um public discourse with Christianity. And we've been talking about it, Ryan, yeah, in the last good. couple of weeks in terms of um, the debates that go on and the posts that you see on Facebook and the ACL and all of that type of stuff, for example, and uh, just leaves a bit of a bitter taste in one's mouth and you just feel like it's a power struggle that's not going to get anywhere. Yeah. You know? um, if, if you're trying to fight against what you perceive to be abusive power by you know, throwing power at it. Yeah. Throwing power at it. Are you really (laughs) going to do it? You know? Yeah. And then by the same token, I kind of, um, it's like, okay, so, um, so Jesus kind of tips power on its head, right. Um, by coming and living the life that he did and then Mm. rising again, the implications of what you're saying, um, whilst it's not a prescriptive, Oh, if you, if you are going to relate to power, you must do it in this way. You must write a polite letter yes, right. and then wait for a yeah. reply for 21 days. And if you haven't, it doesn't bother you. Could if you, get you haven't this? got a reply within 21 days, <laughs> then you're all good. Um, we don't have a manual for relating to power or using our own power. Yeah. But I can't help but think like the church in Australia has an opportunity to use its power in situations that we're not currently doing. Yeah, you're... and it's easy for me to pontificate about, um, say, uh, relating to indigenous communities or mm. um, the homelessness problem, and and we can kind of pay lip service to those things. And and I'm from New Zealand, so I'll have a lot of conversations with people saying, "Oh, it's so good, so great, how kind of the New Zealand kind of seems to have a pretty good race relations situation." And so I'm I'm certainly not trying to pontificate, mm. but sometimes I wonder if um, the church has an opportunity to, to wield whatever power it has. Yeah in ways that it's not mm, currently yeah. doing. I don't really know yeah. kind of what what else to say about that, but it's a thought that I, it's I great thought, ruminate man. on a lot. And yeah. Yeah. I think Andy Stanley says like, you know, the church has never done well when it tries to defend itself, like for its own its own values and pride. Like we, we always seem to do our best work when we let God defend us and we come to the defense of others. Um, and I think that's that's the aim. Like I love that element yeah. of Jesus kind of going like, man, I could tell you who I am and I could show you some great stuff, you know, pilot, but I'm just going to mm. let you say what you need to say. Um, God's got like God will look after that in due course, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, I, I kind of think this is a wonderful opportunity for us to to let people say what they want to say to us. Like we're actually running a leadership class in a few weeks' time, and um, I put an invite out there the other day to a couple of friends, and, and kind of made a point of saying like, "Hey, look, some of the stuff we, we're going to say will definitely come from a faith perspective when it comes to things like power." You know, like we talk about, don't just do the right thing, do the God thing. You know, and and give beyond what you need to. Um, but I'm actually kind of keen for those of you who don't follow Jesus to be part of this conversation. As we talk about leadership, we talk about things like 
what does it mean to have real like gender diversity in leadership? How do you communicate across different cultures? How do you build teams? Mm. Um, how do you lead when your whole world falls apart? Like I'm actually kind of keen to have people who are not people of faith in that conversation because what have I got to lose? Mm. You know, um, what, 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 what could be lost in saying to people, I will show you that I want to hear, I actually do want to hear what you got to say. And I don't need to defend that right now. I seem to let you know that you can say that and um, I'll mm. still be your mate. I'll mm. still listen to you. And uh, God could be speaking through you to me about something. Um, yeah. If I can just use my power to fight for the right reasons. And I think I'm, I'm thinking as well, like obviously we've talked about this before on the podcast, but I think we have a tendency towards individual, uh, you know, everything that happens to me is just about me and God's not at work in a bigger story, but God is mm. at work in a bigger story. Yeah. And I feel like that's how we are in the position we're in today is because generations and generations of faithful followers of Jesus made themselves nothing. Yeah, man. And related to power in the right way. Yeah. I think the question that I'm really wrestling with is it seems as though Christianity flourishes as a minority and struggles as a majority. Yeah. And you're seeing that in South America and in um, China and in mm. places where Christianity is a minority. Um, how do we learn from our own history mm. as we um, work effectively to, you know, like, are we always going to be a minority? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's tough because if we do, if we do it, if we do it well, we probably won't end up with minority. Um, but then, yeah, when you you're can't in the majority, that. you can't just be like, yeah. oh, we're going to adopt this posture <laughs> and I'll organize that. We're going to go underground and we're going to. Yeah. Do it this way. You can't, you can't. We're going to force ourselves to be small. Contrived, you know? Yeah. It is inauthentic at its best. I think the thing for me is, um, is living with an, with an open hand kind of idea, even with church and stuff, you know, like, so for us here in the office, you know, we've lost our Sunday gathering physical presence. Um, and a lot of our, um, online stuff is, is predominantly one way. So we're beginning to think around this idea of like, Hey, what does it mean for us to figure out what, what God's calling us to do because we feel powerless. Um, we feel like, all right, God, you're in this though. So what are you teaching us? What are you telling us? I think um, it comes down to each individual being able to understand that element well within themselves in our team. I think it becomes, I think this is a leveler of all men and all women. I think this is where we're all on the same ground. And this is a great opportunity for you and I to figure out personally What's my biscuit? You know, what's mm, that thing that I'm good. craving? Yeah. You know, what is, and we can do that by just figuring out that when things have annoyed us, when we feel disrespected, um, why did we feel this? What, what have you done to make me feel disrespected? Did you not give me affection? Did you not acknowledge how, you know, amazing I am? Mm. Um, did you not uh, respect me? Did you not seek my permission? And to bring that continuously before God and go, man, if I don't, if I don't sort this out with you, God, this is going to rule me. This is going to be the thing that that drives me um, and leads me rather than you in this moment. And we can only do that conversation by conversation, moment by moment, in the hope that we will erode away that thing within us yeah. by the grace of God and, uh, and one day be more like Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to know more about what leadership looks like with a Christian worldview, then our Advance in Faith program is a perfect next step. We're going to be looking at topics such as intercultural communication, leading teams, the future of leadership, and understanding different contexts. 
For more info, go to riverviewchurch.com forward slash AIF. If you'd like to contact us directly, you can email us at podcast at riverviewchurch.com. And we're on social media. You can get in touch on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is at Riverview Online. And we also live stream our Sunday services at 10 a.m. Australian Western Standard Time. That's UTC plus 8 if you're not in Australia. And that'll be available on Facebook and YouTube. And the stream is also available for 24 hours afterwards. Our music today is by the super talented Andrew Warong. Until next time, keep having conversations.